Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining us. This is your Fridays with John Colosimo version where we break down how the Browns beat the Bears and then we go around the NFL. And listen, John, welcome in. First of all, I got to fire this quote at you from Kingsbury. I don't think you've heard it, have you? No. No, what are you talking about? All right, let's hit this quote. It's it's an all-timer from a guy who still has a job, bro. Hear this out. This is Cliff Kingsbury talking about his pride with play calling. He said, I have zero pride when it comes to play calling, something he learned at Texas A&M's, as Texas A&M's offensive coordinator in 2012 with Johnny Manziel as his quarterback. So before he got the tech job, he was uh, with Kevin Sumlin and A&M. He says, quote, when you coach Johnny football, you take the wins as you can get them. You don't worry about being on time for meetings or showing up for practice some days. You just get them out there Saturday, let them go and collect a check. What the hell? <laughs> what is that quote? You're 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 still you're still a head coach in the NFL, man, and you're just like, this is how you've come to accept. What 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 is your take? What is what what the hell? Uh, first of all, this is a guy with one of thirty-two jobs in the world, um, and it wasn't all that secure to start this year, at least in the eyes of the public. I don't know how secure he personally feels with his uh, owner out in Arizona, but. Uh, that blows my mind that somebody with, you know, that's something that somebody at like the Browns ex coaches bowl, uh, talks about three whiskeys in. (laughs) It's really bad. He's got to feel secure. Right. And and, like, how do you not just relate that directly to having a guy like Kyler Murray, given what Kyler has done, uh, the first couple of weeks of this season, you know, I, I don't, like, I don't know, like, you know how you could just like say something stupid when you're newly on a job and, you know, I, I, I don't know, like that, that seems really dumb to say something like that when Kyler is out there doing crazy shit for you on your Sundays right now. And you've just won a couple of games in September in a tough ass division. I think that's, uh, I think that's really uh, risky, and I wonder how many drinks he was in when he said it. Yeah, that, that's a quote that you would have heard maybe on the, uh, is it, what is it, Talking Coach or, or some flying coach they had the podcast this year with McVeigh. <laughs> oh, feels yeah. like a private. That feels, <laughs> it feels like a private quote, but yeah, nonetheless, we knew that about Johnny. That stuff's come out, but I just had to be like, wow, to let that fly off the riff as your that's when you decided to not to not care about your ego or your pride with calling plays. That's when, okay, it's just a funny quote, man. Let's let's uh, before we get to how the Browns beat the Bears, let's travel around the AFC North. Listen, Pittsburgh loses. We we know. I always love when Pittsburgh loses because the 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 things that go around social. Like there was a tweet I saw when Pittsburgh lost, and it was like it came out maybe Tuesday when the All Twenty Two drops for everybody. Like. There are 31 teams playing offense in the NFL. Then there's whatever the hell the Steelers are doing. And it was like four <laughs> receivers are running in the same direction. I just got a kick out of it, John, because they had they had this like I just sit back and watch sometimes. You know, everybody gets excited about something about their team in the preseason. It's it's 
you look over, and we do it too. You look over the bad, but you just you're, you're pumped, and there's no way this can go wrong. And they hired Matt Canada, and they're like, "Hell yeah, man! This is gonna be great. We're gonna use all this motion. We're gonna use all this misdirect." They've done none of it. They don't do it because they can't do it. And Ben is a statue, and they're lost. And yeah, he goes 27 to 40 for 295. Congrats, man! But he's grading poorly in the decision making, and even you know Joe Thomas is pretty. I think he's pretty tame. And I don't know if you For saw sure. it, John, but his quote about Ben like lobbing grenades was the funniest thing in the world. Because that's what he's doing. It is like two years, three years past the Manning situation, you know, where it was like this this just can't last anymore. That's where they're at. And then you 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 know you go out and spend a first round pick on Najee Harris. This is everybody's so excited about Najee Harris. It's gonna be great. He's gonna be the next Nick Chubb. Okay, cool. What is he how many yards does he rush for this year? Sixty? He's rushed for 75, 80 yards in two games. Like they, were, they were never going to change their identity. You, you don't run the football all the time from the gun in this division. In the, in the NFL, you just don't, you don't do it. So I've been taking in a special level of enjoyment, and I know they snuck into to Buffalo and won, but uh, I still think the writing's on the wall here, man. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously the defense is still there, uh, you know, although, you know, they get a blow with Watt having the abdominal injury. But, you know, this is uh, a team that you had to hope. A, you know, um, I had some respectable people tell me that uh, this offseason that they were going to find ways to figure this offensive line out. And so, you know, I tried to check myself a little bit, but I was in an argument with uh, my my younger brother <laughs> right after I think the first day of the draft after they take Najee and uh, I made an argument to him that he thought was absolutely bonkers off the wall I said I'm not sure that the Bengals don't have a better offense than the Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> yeah and here we are after two weeks and I think it's going to be a pretty close battle yeah <laughs> I do, I do too. That's the they're coming up this weekend, right? Pittsburgh and Cincy. That should be a fun one, actually. I think it should. Oh, I'd like to watch that. Yes. Yeah. So um, this is uh, this is this is so Pittsburgh goes to one and one. They play Cincy this weekend. I'm going to try to check games kind of as we're live talking through this. The Ravens, the Ravens steal one from Kansas City and just an all timer, man. Like an all timer of. I, I'm keeping it candid on this pod. It's almost like like candid Fridays, dude. Where I just can't believe how we overlook things with Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar's great. That's cool. I do. I really think he's a unique player. Unlike unlike any he you know you Mike Vick gets all this credit for. I think Lamar's infinitely better. And 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 I don't think that's me saying anything crazy there. But like I just think that there still though are these parts about how Lamar's playing where he's not held accountable. He threw, and I said it to Waldman on yesterday's podcast, he threw two terrible interceptions in that game. The first one goes for six. The next one is in the same quarter, I think. And it's thrown into to, to triple coverage. And that's the part of, like, John, I'm talking about how these guys, it feels like they're playing different games sometimes. To do that in a game, if Baker does that, he is eviscerated for a week he's eviscerated but Lamar can go out and run and change and again kudos to Lamar 
but the but the 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 way he's judged because of what he can do with his legs and because of what opens up from what they can do running the football that is so unique that it just gets glossed over. Now kudos to them, Odafeowe with a great strip. I mean, quite Clyde Edwards Alaire just seems like the ultimate waste of a pick for Kansas City, but I'm riffing a little bit. The Lamar stuff is just crazy to me. Like they just it just feels like everything negative he does is glossed over. Everything he does correct or you know, everything he does correct is like blown out of proportion and all of a sudden I'm listening to the radio the last two days. I just catch little glimpses of the radio and it's God, he's playing better than ever. He is this unstoppable <laughs> weapon. And I'm like, Really? That really? That's I mean, I get it. They're ridiculously hard to defend. But they that there's just a glossing there. Am I losing my mind? Don't just agree with me. No, 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 no. Um, you know because I think here's what you got to understand. You know, from my view, what I think is uh, the rubber meets the road in January, and so uh, where you can paper over a whole bunch of flaws by you know after throwing a bunch of balls in the dirt or in the hands of other receivers, uh, or excuse me, uh, into DBs. Um, you know, you can make up for a lot of that in the regular season, but I, I truly believe that, you know, you're going to have to show me that you can play that poorly on one phase of the game um, and, you know, hero ball a couple of monster plays and have that win multiple games in a single elimination tournament against the NFL's best to get me to value that more. Um, and I simply don't, okay, because uh, that's a real thing. You know, that's what you're talking about. We we do this regular season thing and we get to the end of it. And at the end is a multi-game single elimination tournament where you can only lose once. And uh, I don't think that that plays well. And uh, it doesn't doesn't really get the proper respect, I think, uh, when you're talking about getting the ultimate goal. And obviously we're in a we're in a society right now where those highlights are going to get major blast on multiple um, forms of media. And uh, I think it's just getting a little bit overblown and yeah, they play different sports, but ultimately you're going to have to play a higher level of ball just in general, however you're going to do it, you know, but you can't be making the kind of mistakes that you're talking about um, in my opinion. And I think that's, you know, that's, probably why Lamar doesn't have a second contract right now. Um, you know, the one other thing I want to say real quick, and I'm, I'm sorry because it's a little bit of a tangent, but because we're talking KC and Baltimore, I will say that I am thankful that Andy Reed uh, has so poorly played some of their resources via money or draft picks uh, by spending, you know, what everybody said was okay as a luxury pick on, on, Edwards Hilaire, uh, that has blown up in their face. And uh, that's the kind of thing that we need. I mean, you know, how, how grateful should you be that they've spent that, you know, that pick on Edwards Hilaire instead of getting a legitimate second option in the wide, you know, out yeah. wide yeah. for Patrick Mahomes? I'm very thankful for that. So thank you. I'm thankful that you have made what I think and even, you know, Eric Eager over at PFF, a uh, super fan of, KC would say was definitely a negative EV uh, pickup in trading for um, for Brown to um, you know to play on the offensive line. So you know I have to be thankful that we don't have the minds that are in Baltimore 
which I think are very sharp minds in terms of uh, roster building and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just have to thank, be thankful that they didn't draft a Patrick Mahomes and get to build around him. So, you know, yeah, give yeah. a solid chance. I'm with you, man. And to, and to, they did change their coverage. We talked about it. They stopped playing man this week. They played a ton of zone, which to me is great. Bodes well for Cleveland. Uh, because I think the the Browns handle zone coverage collectively far better than they do teams that get physical. I also don't think either of those two defenses are very good. I just I just don't. I, you know, so you can you can fawn all over the offenses all you want, but I don't think those two defenses are very good. So when we look back at this at the end of the year, you're gonna I think you're gonna see the metrics bear exactly that. I just I think they're gonna give up a lot of points. So um, moving on, uh, I actually think I think Baltimore plays. Uh, the Lions this week, so they should get another win. And uh, the Lions are <clears throat> short week, all that stuff. So uh, the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game, Cincinnati comes off of a uh, a close loss. Ended up being a close loss, but they were they were beat for a majority of that game until Justin Fields comes back in, or comes in, and he ends up turning it over. They get a big play off of a they. What they did was sim pressured him, right? They they. Put Logan Wilson up into the line of scrimmage, acted like they were bringing seven, bailed him at the last second. He undercut a crossing route that Fields was thinking was hot. That's the that's the toughest. And I mean, those are those are great. That's what you want to see Cleveland doing. You know, is some of that stuff where linebackers act like they're coming, drop it underneath the crossing route, pick it off, and it got close late. But you could still see the warts that are all over Cincinnati. They're terrible out of empty, struggling on second down. The pass coverage or the pass protection isn't holding up. I still think they're a pretender. Six, maybe six, seven wins. You got to get both wins over Pitt. I think you, this year, John, you got to get both wins over Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I just do. I think you could split Baltimore, oh. but you got to get those two wins. And uh, a bigger picture here, I, right, is is getting KC at home. Like that's that to me is like what you need to do. No, you you can't you can't go to KC. You got to get them at home somehow. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, I agree. You know, and uh, I'll work my way to that part. But, you know, just to spend a, a second on Cincinnati, how far have we come from the public perception of Joe Burrow from four games in of last season? I mean, even the the bomb that he had to chase – was just a brutally underthrown ball on accident mm-hmm. that Chase came back and grabbed and then ran into the end. And he got all of his body behind that thing. Oh, he he 
And, uh, you know, and he throws three picks on three straight passes. Am I right on that? Yeah, it was three, three consecutive yeah. throws. Yeah. So, um, you know, four games in last year, uh, definitely let's just go even two games because that was against the Browns. Uh, they come off their first game against the Browns and most of the nation is talking about how Joe Burrow is better than Baker Mayfield. He's the best quarterback in the division. He is the future of the NFL and here we are just one year later, and people are wondering if he has a strong enough arm to make it, um, regardless of injury status. Um, the They're questioning the Bengals' choices, which they should, because Taylor is terrible, and the idea of running empty um, with an, you know, in a quarterback coming off that kind of injury and those types of things seems pretty dumb to me. Yeah. Um, it just uh, it, it has to feel pretty bad. Like, you could have imagined this kind of an outcome for the Browns when they finally got their number one pick. I mean, think about being the Bengals and having Joey Burrow coming off of the best or at least one of the best collegiate seasons ever. Absolute slam dunk number one pick, and you take the guy and you have the crappy coach because we had the crappy coach, uh, and you have the... Uh, talent devoid team because they had the talent devoid team. This could have been our fate. What we're looking at right here with the Cincinnati Bengals when we drafted Baker Mayfield, and it, it wasn't. And again, I think that's that's something to be thankful for. Yeah, I, I I think you're spot on. Cincinnati is to me going to float until they find the right coach. They have talent. They have to continue to overhaul that O line, but they just are a year or two away still from being real real contenders and we'll see i mean burrow is like there 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 are definite flaws in joe's game that i still think people who have given him credit for or think he's there on some things i do not see it yet so we will see how that shakes out with Cincy around the nfl there was an article i found uh that i wanted to address with you real quick before we talk about how the browns beat the bears that is poking holes at uh i think it's is it a barnwell piece not in espn nation Rating the biggest surprises of all 32 teams in 2021, which will continue and which are a, uh, a mirage. The Browns have three sacks. That's the mirage. Uh, that's the, the thing here. Jake Trotter, our friend of the podcast, says he thinks it's a mirage. Uh, I think it's easy to say it's a mirage, but unless they start changing up how they cover, it's pretty serious, right? Like that is, I don't know if I can call that a mirage right now. The talent says it shouldn't be. But for now, until they start playing differently and giving those guys a chance to get home, I don't know how you can say it's it's not it's not a serious issue, right? Yeah, I think this is one of the more disappointing things over the last you know over the first two weeks, and you don't want to overreact to what you're seeing, but it's not really reacting to um, what's happened in the first two weeks. It's more of a realization that uh, what you saw the previous. Um, season is more than just not having the personnel that mm-hmm. Joe Woods wanted. So uh, that for me, I could be wrong, but I just want to be, you know, understood that I'm not reacting to the first two weeks of this season. I'm just, I'm reacting thinking that um, we're really talking about 20 games worth of Joe Woods here. And this is just who he is because the, anything that I wrote, or talked about about this team and one of the reasons that you could expect this huge breakout year from Miles when you could see this this defensive line really cash some checks is because we had to cover players to make 
these quarterbacks think for a second read, um, an extra half second, an extra tenth of a second would make the biggest deal in most mile seasons uh, seasons since he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see how that plays in anymore. I think I have to just literally throw that in the rubbish and assume that he's going to be dealing with the same amount of time that he ever has been, even though we have monstrously upgraded and invested in the secondary because of the way Joe Woods, I think, he wants to run it. So, yeah, so it's frustrating. I don't think it's a mirage. I, 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 right now it's not. I need evidence of the contrary. Pittsburgh's surprise is that the run game is still last in the league. Brooke Pryor says it is real. I think that is going to remain real. The Bengals' defense is much better. They're saying that's real. Uh, we'll see. I'm still not sold on that collective unit. I'm going to let them play somebody other than Chicago. And uh, <laughs> I thought Minnesota laid an egg week one. We'll, we'll see when they play somebody real. And then Baltimore is that the run game is still the most dominant in the NFL. That's real. I do think it's real, too. I do. I mean, I, I almost think they can plug and play, and this is probably the biggest wake-up call for their franchise is that they don't have to invest in, uh, in picks because what they do is so hard to defend. It's it's unique as, as hell. And again, I say it's the Navy of the NFL. It's the Air Force. It's the peak Georgia Tech. They are so tough to defend running the ball that it changes everything you do. And that's why, you know, people were like, I hate the back to back with Baltimore. I don't. I couldn't I couldn't love it more because you get to invest three straight weeks in planning and prepping for these guys. Yeah, in the middle of it you do play them. But you get three weeks of figuring. You like you. You can throw the normal stuff aside. We're gonna prepare for this option approach that they come at you with. This power read, this power counter, this counter bash, like all of it. You get to just commit to it. Not worry about having to play another game the next week against the Packers. You know, like prepare for them twice. I'm I'm all about it. It is. It's still really dang good, man, because it's 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 something no one else sees across the league. The other 31 teams don't do it the way they do it. So. Yeah, I think that is real. Let me, Go ahead. Let me give you the flip side of that, though. Ah, okay. Okay. What if, what if, uh, what if we accept that this is the real thing, and and I think I do. Um, but what if the flip side of accepting that this is who they are, they are the Navy, they are really, really difficult to defend. What if the flip side, uh, excuse me, the flip side of that is accepting that there's never going to be a. Um, you know, if we just get Lamar more receivers portion of the docket that happens every off season and in every post game thing, what if this being who they are means that doesn't really, that's never, that's never going to be a thing. That's never going to be the next level that this is who they are. And it doesn't really matter who they get um, out in the receiver side uh, because there's going to be a give and take if they ever do want to change that. Because that's kind of how I feel right now is that, you know, there's always been this extra thing, right, where there, there's built-in uh, growth. Like, think about it just like a Fortune 500 company, right? Mm-hmm. There's this built-in growth to this offense where if we just get Lamar, number one receiver, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, then this thing is just going to become this whole other entity, And now I'm starting to think that, um, you know, as good as this thing is, and it's very good and it wins lots of games, uh, I'm ready to retire this whole little forecast of additional things being added to it. I think that it's possible that this is what it is, Mm -hmm. and uh, this dream of 
turning it into some kind of super saiyan version of itself is not really a thing so that that's what i would you know posit on the other side of that it's valid it's valid it could just be they're stuck with what they are right and that won't ever change for the better it won't ever i gotta see it win a super bowl much like you had to see these option teams georgia tech included win big games I just think eventually you're going to have to throw it a lot. You're just going to. Just, just I mean, Georgia to. Tech had flipping Megatron. Johnson and okay. Demarius Thomas, man. They had dudes. <laughs> All right. Yeah, All right. Did that ever change who they were? Did that take them to some new level of offense? It did not. No. So, no. And I don't want to like say that there's some direct – obviously, college pros, not the same thing. Lamar Jackson is not a player they ever had there. But I, I think it's a good thing to note. That, you know, these, you know, if we're sitting here comparing them to similar offenses, that they had some of the best receivers in NFL, you know, in our NFL lifetimes. And it did not appreciably change those offenses. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. They still have a lot to prove. But it doesn't change how unique they are, damn it. And I hate playing them. No. I hate that they're in this I division. Agree. God, Lamar could have gone anywhere else. And, and now we have to see those guys twice a year. And, I think even when they feature some of their more down years, which are you know could happen you know, over the course of Lamar's career, they're still going to be tough. Like they're not going to bottom out. It's just not Agreed. in there. It's not in their mo. And the way they play is so unique that they will, just like, you know, again I go back to it. Just like those Tech and Navy teams, they won games. They just find ways. And even in the, when they're bad, they win six or seven games. You know, so even when they lose, they're a pain. Yeah, yeah, that's a fact. You know, I, I what was that? It was a year Ohio State opened with them, and they specifically opened with them because they wanted to prepare for it and spend extra time. But they said, we will not play you unless we can open with you. because They played them in Raven like, Stadium. Yeah, I was yes. there. I lived in Maryland. I bought the tickets. I went to the game. Yes, I remember the exact game you're talking about. I think it was the opener. I think what I heard was yes. that they wanted it to be the opener. I, I could be wrong. Some Ohio State fan listened to this. No, it is. Correct me. But I thought it was the opener, and the, the the thing was, we'll play you, but we have to open with you so we can spend a month preparing for it. Because, you know, playing Kent State and then going to play Navy is is miserable. Even with great Ohio State teams, you can you can find yourself on the wrong side of the scoreboard if if something you can't figure it out. Right, you got got to figure it out on the fly. Anyway, we're we're again floating off in the distance. Let's talk about how the Browns beat the Bears. So. The Bears feature a really good defense uh, in terms of personnel. I don't know that they they were not as good. 2019 was their most dominant version when they went to the playoffs and should have won the, the – what was that? Was that the Doink game or was that 2018? I can't remember. I think it was 2018, was it 2018? I could be wrong. You're probably right. That's the most dominant version they've had in a while. They were turning the football over like crazy, uh, converting those points off turnovers. Trubisky was you know, playing decent football back then. Uh, but they couldn't overcome it, lost that playoff game on a double doink from Parky, right? And they really haven't been the same since, partly because Mitch never developed like they thought he should, but they still have some of those dudes, right? They still have Khalil Mack. Hasn't played great the first two games, kind of like Miles, uh, but he's still Khalil Mack, and at any given moment he could have a five-sack game. Uh, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith. I don't know if Eddie Goldman's going to play. It's a big part of their issue as the middle of their defense. Without Eddie is a problem. He's still limited this week. Uh, they still have Akeem Hicks, who's still damn good. They got this Jalen Johnson kid, who's a pretty solid corner. They still have Eddie Jackson, pretty good safety. But they're like eight deep on defense. They have three guys who are just terrible. So this is, to me, a very big finding Waldo game. You know, where can we pick on them that can allow us to keep drives alive, right? 
Where can we pick on them that allows us to take a shot play down the field? How can we manipulate them to get this corner, not Jalen Johnson, the opposite corner in an island so we can try to take advantage of it? That's what I'm paying attention to most on offense. And to John, like this entire battle of the box, like I think the Browns offensive line is as good as it gets. It's not even just a Cleveland thing anymore. Everybody believes it. And I think the Bears have a really talented, not not to say they're producing the best right now, but a very talented group of box players and uh, their outside backers who who rush the passer. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be really fascinated. And they, they I should mention, too, they, they play Tayshaun Gibson, uh, as we all remember. So anyway, that's where I'm at on offense. Picking on certain players, there are some very, very obvious weaknesses for me. That's how I would approach it, isolating certain players, whether off play action, whether out of empty, whatever you want to do, pick on those guys. And two, let's see what we can establish in the run game early to see if there are some holes we can pick. They cannot, as we broke down O-line play with Kyle Murphy earlier this week on the Twitch show, they can't afford four negative run plays like they had this past weekend. They can't do it. They can't. You can't sustain drives with, with, with two, two or three and then getting into four negative run plays. It's so hard to overcome. No, I agree. And, you know, I trust this offensive staff to be able to play that game in a way that I don't trust our defensive staff to take advantage of the same kind of weak points. So uh, I do think that you're right. Uh, we got to find our Huckleberry on every play and, and exploit it. And I think that this uh, offensive staff and uh, the personnel should be capable of doing that. I mean, we got Odell back, which is a whole other element of um, – of what's going to happen in terms of this, you know, it could, could go well, could go bad. Uh, I don't know. I tend to be optimistic about it. Like I've said in uh, some of the articles I've done recently is that uh, I've become more and more convinced that um, the Odell going down and Baker rising uh, narrative is not correct. And uh, I am hopeful that we're able to see some of that play out. And if there's anybody ready to exploit something like that, I think Odell can do that. And um, I'm excited to see that happen. You know, uh, I think we're over, you know, on defensive side, I think we're overemphasizing stopping the run. Um, It could work to our favor this week in uh, helping to stifle uh, the Chicago run game. Um, But at the same time, I'm scared about another mobile quarterback with our defense that has over pursued, I think on every game. And I don't have a ton of faith that we're going to all of a sudden find a hundred percent containment. And I definitely have no faith whatsoever that we're going to start spying, but we do have a rookie quarterback. We're going against, uh, we do have better personnel than we've had um, at least since week one and uh, i think that it should be pretty interesting to see that battle it's definitely if it's not interesting it's something that i'm grading woods on i want to see what he does in this type of situation where you expect him to come up with a plan that is at least sound um it, it at a bare minimum if he does not rein in this defensive line and choke some contain for this rookie quarterback to make things more difficult. If he doesn't disguise anything, if he doesn't do anything else, at least have disciplined rush lanes to force more difficult throws. I think that is such a bare minimum thing. And that's what I'm 
bare minimum asking out of Joe Woods this week. Yeah, stop burying your head, right? You know, when you go in, whether you're rushing your gap assignment or you're twisting and exchanging, I do notice that a lot of times these guys are burying their head and they're not seeing the quarterback make an initial move. And that's why we've seen so many times Miles swiping at the feet. They're trying to chase him down instead of being proactive, keeping your head up, and then being able to to make a move to get rid of the O-lineman to go get the quarterback. You want some of that. Uh, tweeted a, I actually texted John Costco earlier and I said, hey man, I'm only seeing, I wanted to see, I said, how many, how many five plus pressures do you see in this past week, week two? He said three, which is the same thing I saw that was unbelievable. They didn't even blitz. They didn't five plus pressure, bring five guys or more, what I deem a blitz, uh, at all in the second half against a rookie. Davis Mills. They didn't. They didn't bring. They dissimulate pressure. What a sim pressure means is you 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 disguise what you're going to do, show something, do something different. Uh, they they the Delpit sack. They took both defensive ends and dropped them, and ended up uh, the drop took the right tackle's eyes off of uh, his outside. And Grant Delpit comes off the edge. That's what you're trying to do. Kudos. Love those. Do them every now and again. They got to blitz Justin Fields. They got to confuse this kid. If they don't confuse him and they let him. And Nagy or whoever the hell's calling plays in, in Chicago these days, sit there and feel comfortable with every single situational call. It's gonna be an effing nightmare because they do have two good receivers. Allen Robinson can play, flat out play, and Darnell Mooney can play too. So they they got dudes, man. They got guys. They're better than Houston, significantly in terms of like player talent. The offensive line sucks, so that's a big part of why I want to take away some first reads, move Justin to a second and third, is because you can take advantage of a pretty bad line. I mean, they're starting, I think they're starting Lane Johnson on one side. I could be wrong about that. I'd have to look at it. Uh, I had this up earlier. Let's see if I can pull it up quickly. Going, nobody go anywhere. I don't think anyone's going anywhere. I think it's Lane Johnson that's starting at left tackle. It, it No, Jason Peters. I was confused with the Kansas City veterans. Jason, or the uh, old Eagles veterans. Jason Peters, 39 years old, is starting at left tackle for them. Their interior of white hair, Sam Mustafer and and uh, and James Daniels, the Iowa kid we all liked, is really struggling. Jermaine Fady is really struggling. You gotta put, you gotta find a way to create some sacks, man. And you better confuse Justin Fields because if you let him get comfortable and you let him feel good about where he's escaping the pocket, we all saw the dude at Ohio State. I think he can play. I think that he needs. He's got a big learning curve. He's going to go through and is going through, but he can play. He will also turn the rock over if you pressure him into some poor decisions. But if you do not, and this is such a generic thing, but you really have to find a way to confuse him. Any rookie quarterback, what's the saying, man? Make the game feel fast. And if you're playing passively and you're playing to not give up the big play all the time. It's it's going to be ugly, man. It's going to be frustrating, and they're going to hang around. So get up and pressure people. If you're playing cover three, stop playing deep cut. Like walk up and, and press bail and cover three. Get up in their face. Show some different looks. And let John Johnson get toward the line of scrimmage every now and again, man. Let him be the dude we know he can be, uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase, unleash him some so that he can be the, the, the game changer I think John Johnson can be, and why you signed him, right? Like, don't just stick him back at split high or single high and say, hey, man, go make No, he's an up-at-the-line-of-scrimmage, actively involved dude. I've been saying it all week. Uh, his usage here has been completely different than his time with the Rams, and it needs to, to change. 
Give Grant Delpit a chance to do that center field role. I think he's comfortable doing it. I like the personnel, John. I, I had followed up your your tweet today with, like, they did play dime, like, 18 snaps, which is a good number. I don't mind that. I could like to see it creep up a little bit more, but that's a good number. And they were playing nickel, like, 27 times. So they're not just sitting in bed. They're doing some of the things. We know Woods before the year talked about, I'm more of a nickel guy than a dime guy, but he is moving into the direction of, of bumping Ronnie Harrison down, letting him play dime backer and getting kind of creative there. So I just hope they give that creativity a chance with 43 as well. No, I agree. I mean, I think that the nightmare scenario is somewhat similar to what we saw against Kansas city, which is over pursuing defensive ends, um, making it very easy for fields to extend plays with his feet and, um, you know, just step up in the pocket and, you know, make a, um, you know, a two second drop into a four second drop. And then we're sitting passive in, in coverage, covering grass and somebody will get open, right? That's the nightmare scenario. That's what they have to be hoping that Cleveland is going to do. So I, I'm asking Joe Woods to not do that. And uh, I think you're right. We we saw some different personnel usages uh, based on having Grant Delpit, I would think, um, based on not having Walker and those types of things. So um, hopefully, you know, just those kind of things and maybe having a more disciplined rush help us to make that look different. But, um, you know, that's that's my nightmare scenario. I just do not want to allow Justin Fields to extend plays and play some backyard ball. And, you know, I, he's not Mahomes. And they, you know, Robinson is not Tyreek Hill. And they don't have a Travis Kelsey. You know, but I don't want to go home on Sunday feeling like we did this Sunday uh, defensively where – you know, these guys do way more than you think they should against us and uh, make a make a game that shouldn't be close, close, um, let alone something even worse than that. But I'm not really considering that so much, uh, not in a home game. So hopefully that's what we see. Um, and I'd like to, like you know, like you've covered a bunch of times, I don't want to see those blitzes from depth. I know you mentioned the other day that that Delpit one was from depth. Are you sure that that was? I thought he was close to the line on the side on that one uh, versus like being five yards out. Like he was we creeping. Had J-O-K. He, he, he was creeping. If you go watch it, that snap point, he's about four yards off the ball. I mean, he wasn't static uh, or anything, but he wasn't, but still he wasn't a bit walked off. up. Okay. Yeah, he wasn't walked All up, right. but, you know, I'm okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm okay with a depth blitz. If you know, if you have a great feel for it, like they ran a depth blitz, one of the first half blitzes, right? So picture in your head a four-two-five, right? You got a slot corner. The the, the Texans are playing two sure. by two. They're playing two wide receivers on both sides, a back in the backfield, a quarterback. The Browns are playing nickel. They've got the uh, the the safety walk down to the quarterback's left, kind of hovering with the with the wheel backer hovering over, uh, and splitting the difference between one and two. Then they. They got Troy Hill to the quarterback's right in the slot, and you got Malcolm Smith uh, as your backer. They brought Malcolm Smith, and they brought um, – help me out here. I'm forgetting his name now. Troy, they brought Troy Hill. They brought both of them from depth, and nobody replaced. They were playing cover four behind it, and nobody replaced, and there was the simplest replace the blitz throw I've ever seen. You had JOK running out the opposite direction. They also dropped Miles on that play as well. So the the other side, so the defensive end of the quarterback's left drops into coverage. You have 
JOK dropping to his left as well, the quarterback's left as well. So those two are like on top of each other. And then you're bringing two two blitzers. <laughs> if you're seeing this from the quarterback's eyes, they're bringing two blitzers off the quarterback's right side with nobody dropping to where they vacated. The safety doesn't roll down. The corner doesn't cheat up. It's the easiest nine-yard throw to Danny, Danny Amendola ever. And it's like that type of blitz effing sucks unless you're going to replace it because the simplest quarterback 101 stuff, John, is that you've replaced the blitz it. with the throw. And if right. you don't replace somebody where the blitz is coming from, hey oh, it's an easy effing pitch and catch. So they, they just... <clears throat> I'll say this. If they're so uncomfortable about blitzing because they don't think their guys can handle it, then what are we doing? Because this is supposed to be graduate-level football where you bring in smart football players who've been exposed to smart football schemes through their life and can absorb, collect, and process what you want them to do quickly because they've been exposed to it for like 15 years of football now. There should not be an issue teaching. If there is, what are we doing when these guys are hurt? Because something's not getting through. Like, we should not be in week two saying, I don't know if we can call more than three pressures in this game because I don't think the guys can handle it. What? Like, that, can't, about, that can't be the outcome, John. It can't be. Think about the utter contrast between that and what we had to deal with on offense at the end of last season when we had to have Callahan sticking guys that Baker Mayfield hadn't even met you know like the utter contrast between what's happening on the offense and what's happening on the defense regardless of the talent pool because we've seen uh, the offense pull guys out of the dirt. I mean, outside of the crazy game where we lost every wide receiver and had to play all practice squad guys. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I just, it, um, to me, it's just, it, it's such a, a weird dichotomy where, you know, I think that we have, uh, honest to God, I think the best top to bottom, including all the sub coaches, everything like that, we have the best coaches in this league on the offensive side of the football and um, to watch them operate uh, through adversity versus, you know, what we deal with on the defensive side where we just um, have provided every excuse possible. And, you know, the expectation level, I think that's, you know, regardless of everything else, let's just talk about the expectation level uh, is so much lower. I mean, the, the, we're grading on such a massive curve on the other side. And I think that at this point, it's just uh, a ridiculous thing to do. And I'm tired of it. You know, it's like listening to Nagy uh, speaking of the bears, you know, talk about how, um, Oh, well, you know, you have to understand this offense takes several years to really kind of take foot. Meanwhile, Kevin Stefanski installs the the wide zone offense over fucking Zoom meetings yeah, all right? yeah. And during a, a yeah. pandemic. All right. Get out of my face with that stuff. All right. Yeah, and it, I'm, I'm just I, getting that to just that shouldn't point. be the excuse from Woods. And I don't know if he'll talk to the media later this week or not, but like, like I need to know really why he's not doing things that are more creative. Like I just need to know if your answer is our guys aren't ready. We got too many new faces. Then I need to start seeing an uptick like now because teams always are overhauling their rosters and bringing in different pieces. And that's never going to change in Cleveland. It's that's never going to change. It's the game, man. And if you can't get guys ready until mid season with this much talent, there's a problem there. There's a problem there. So I'm not, again, I'm not calling the Joe Woods mob. I'm not trying to get him fired, but I need to see some change. 
And as we're talking about here, this week is the week for some change because you have a young quarterback who's not he's not used to the different variations of coverage. He wants it to be black and white. He doesn't want to have any gray area. I'm sure his coach feels the same way. So they better take advantage. He's John Colosimo. This is Friday's with the man himself. I appreciate you, John. As usual, thanks for your time, buddy. Have a good one, bud. All right, signing off for the night. Thank you guys for joining us on this lovely Friday. I hope you guys have a great day and uh, have a great weekend. We will be back tomorrow with our mock draft. We'll return into our mock draft phase uh, where we, we look at Stephen Thomas's mock draft from earlier in the week and go through, talk about the prospects that are going to play, talk about uh, everything around the draft that the Browns might be interested in. It's just a fun little thing to do to break up the monotony of every single day being about the Browns. It's a nice thing to keep it on. So you hear those names that could be of interest to the Browns later on. You're keeping track of the big games, the big players, those of interest. I think it's a cool thing. I had a couple of people ask why it wasn't out last week. Timing didn't work. It was traveling. Craziness. Back on that schedule. Continue to check out the OBR's work. Great analytics pieces going up this week. Check all of those out. A couple different film rooms. I put up Grant Delpit. I'll put up the All-22. I have put up the All-22. Check that out. I've combined offense and defense this week. Appreciate you joining. Uh, again, numbers are off the charts, and that's because you guys support this podcast and everything around it. I thank you guys so, so much for that. Uh, it's uh, it's really it's really unique, and it, and it blows my mind, and uh, you guys are cool. You guys are the best. So appreciate you and everything you, you do to support this thing and my Twitter and, and all of that, like I've said. Thanks to John again for joining today. He's the best. Make sure you're following him. Good insights, good conversations. Take advantage. Have a great Friday, guys. And, uh, you know, we'll catch in with you Saturday morning before college football kicks off. Appreciate you again. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.